And here we are. All right. Hey, everyone. It's David Barnett. I got Alex Bridgman with me today. We're going to get into a conversation with him in just a few seconds. We'll get the show on the road. I'm David C. Barnett, and you're tuned in to Small Business and Deal Making, the podcast, YouTube channel, and blog where I talk about buying, selling, financing, and managing small and medium sized businesses while controlling risk. So if you're looking to take control of your future through buying a business one day, or if you already own a business and you're looking to grow or exit, you've come to the right place. I talk about interesting things, I talk to interesting people, and I answer your questions every week right here. So be sure to hit like and be sure to hit subscribe, and let's get to it. Are you thinking of growing your business or beginning a journey into entrepreneurship? Take a shortcut to success by buying an existing and profitable business the right way. Visit businessbuyeradvantage.com and learn more about my online training, group coaching, and consulting services designed to help you win. All right, everyone. Uh, we got a, a great lineup today, a great guest. Uh, we're joined with Alex Bridgman from Think Like an Owner. Alex, how are you doing today? Good. How are you, David? Thanks for having me. Oh, awesome. So, uh, Alex, you know, uh, I think that I first tuned into your podcast uh, maybe two or three years ago, um, and, uh, and and you talk about buying businesses. Why, why don't we kick things off by learning a little bit about you? Why don't you give us a brief synopsis of your background and how you became interested in in the whole topic of, of business acquisition? Yeah, certainly. My, um, my goal in college was up until probably uh, early senior year was to be a value hedge fund manager. I loved studying the, you know, the fund manager in their spare bedroom. It was just them. They have no assistance. They follow all the Buffett uh, advice and value investing stuff. And I thought that was just the coolest thing in the world. Um, and so all of my like, learnings and internships were all kind of oriented around that. And then right around the end of senior year, I started listening to um, a couple of Invest Like the Best episodes with folks like the Chumark folks and the um, two Harvard professors and Brent B. Shore and realized that, oh, people are actually buying small companies. Like all of these companies that I'm studying in the public markets that are you know, small and kind of a big part of the strategy of my job that I took out of school was investing in small microcaps. So public companies with less than 100 million in market cap that were really small and actually had a lot of similar challenges and felt similar to companies that a lot of search funds buy today. Um, and so I realized that folks could be acquiring these small companies and running them as CEO. And it was their, it was a private business. It was um, so that was just a really exciting thing. And, and suddenly that became the most interesting thing in the world to me. And so I was looking around to find um, where is, where is another podcast like invest like the best for people who run and operate small companies. Um, and I didn't really find anything that was uh, that, that was like the thing I wanted to see. So I thought, okay, well maybe I can start the podcast myself, create the content that I would want to listen to. And I'd be excited to hear. And eventually good things may come from it. Um, I didn't see a clear way to go off and buy a small company right out of college. So I thought this will, this will probably be a good way to network and meet interesting people. And generally in my life so far, if that, if I'm just around interesting people, good things happen. So um, I figured the podcast would be a, just a, a good way to build a kind of a, a system around that. So I started think like an owner uh, fall of 2018 so I've been running it for almost five years now. End of November is my like anniversary date for the 
the first mm-hmm. episode that I did with Trish Higgins uh, over in Boston. We recorded the first episode in a uh, a Boston shopping mall. So if you listen to the episode, first off, the uh, the question quality for me isn't very good, but um, you can also hear like kids in the background screaming or chairs being pushed back because it was literally in a food court. Um, we tried to find like the quiet corner, and we asked the we asked the bank there if we could use like their conference room, and they had clients in, so they're like, "No, you can't, you can't come in here." Um, so um, <laughs> it's 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 a great like bit of uh, of lore though. Like, I mean, for the origin story and and, and the background and everything, it, it, it's in your your own personal journey is kind of interesting because what I find is. Um, you know, I, I, t- I talk on my YouTube channel about buying businesses and selling businesses and stuff. And, and I find that there really are two sort of distinct camps of people that are part of a conversation online about buying businesses. There are these entrepreneurs or people who uh, have started a business or are coming out of a business and they, and they know that they want to buy something. And I kind of call them business buyers. And they're those are the people that I have the most experience with because back when I used to be a broker, those were the people I was meeting back in 2008, 2009, 10, 11, right? And then this, this other group that I think uh, you're really more part of are these people who went to school to study business or investing or something. And then were some at some point during that journey or during their education or afterwards were then turned on to this idea, hey, you can buy a business. Almost like it, uh, you know, the interest was really in the bigger businesses first. Would would that be accurate? Do you think? I think so. Um, I think the, the the basis of the search fund model is that you can take a young, hungry, ambitious person who wants to grow and learn a lot, and place them in a business and and place it not just any business, but a business that has a lot of tailwinds behind it. It's in a growing industry. There's recurring revenue. Um, there's a team in place, there's customers, like there's a lot of stuff that's already there for you. So, um, if you, if you can find a business where you can put the entrepreneur in a good starting position, they can learn and learn on the job quickly enough to turn it into a a successful company over time. So that's kind of the basis for the search fund model. Of course, there's lots of different flavors of, of search Mm -hmm. and like, like someone buying a business has been happening forever. So the search fund model is just one way that that happens. And it happens in lots and lots of ways. There's folks who um, have acquired businesses who don't even, they don't even know what a search fund is. They never heard of the concept of a search. They just did it and weren't really aware of any of it, of how the, of the system and culture that's built around that. Um, and there's, like, there's independent sponsors, there's self-funded search. There's folks who, work at PE firms and find something that's smaller than what the PE firm would normally acquire. And so they just leave and go buy that company. Um, so there's just lots of ways to, if you're like a young person, you want to buy a company, there's, there's lots of flavors for doing that. It's not, it's not just a search fund model. So amongst the guests that you have on your show, uh, can you, can you kind of give us an idea of, of, of what kinds of people you're inviting? Is it, it typically it's people who've gone through this process and bought the business? Yeah, so the early couple of years of the podcast were really focused around search funds and folks who are acquiring companies. So I've had guests who run holding companies, independent sponsors like Traction up in Seattle, um, self-funded searchers like Coast of Dio. He's a good friend of mine in Seattle. Um, and then traditional searchers, lots of tra- traditional search. And then a couple holding company friends like Justin Vogt and Ed Redden. So um, kind of a wide gambit of folks. Um, 
Today, I'm really excited about learning from CEOs who build large businesses and especially CEOs who have scaled themselves from a small starting point in the business and been successful at each growth phase in the company. Um, it's really hard to be an effective CEO at 5 million revenue and also be effective at 100. And there's some that have been able mm. to do that. And those people are just fascinating to me and are worth a lot of study. So um, I'm trying to meet more and more our um, like, uh, ambitious and um, successful CEOs like that. Um, you're you're seeing numbers like five million, ten million, a hundred million in revenue. So, so what kind of ballpark would be the typical size of business uh, about which you're having your conversations? I think today the I don't know exactly what the averages would be, but um, I'm excited to talk with folks who run companies kind of ten million and above in revenue generally. Um, mm-hmm. There's, I mean, there's people doing interesting things at all levels of, of business. There's folks who run really fascinating $2 million companies. Um, and so I, I don't want to draw a line in the sand and say, like, I'm only going to talk to these folks. Like, I've, I'll, I'll talk to anyone doing something interesting. Um, but the, in terms of, like, the ranges for, like, what folks acquire, traditional search will try to buy something larger. Um, self-funded search, generally speaking, buys smaller. Um, not always the case. And, None of these are like hard and fast rules, but by and large, that's what I've at least anecdotally seen. Um, but yeah, there's interesting people all up and down the size range. And, and I mean, the reason why I'm asking is because uh, a lot of the time uh, people will use that term small business, but a lot of people have very different ideas of what that means. And uh, I mean, I like to use the term main street business to, to mean the really small ones, like under half a million in cash flow that... Um, I have the most experience with, like when I was a business broker, those are typically the kinds of businesses I was helping people buy and sell. Um, that that uh, that book, the HBR Guide to Buying a Small Business, that kind of describes the search fund model. Model, um, you know, I, I I'm always pointing out to people that in the in the introduction to that book that they point out that their idea of a small business is one with 10 million in revenue, which which may not particularly match a lot of other people's idea of what a small business is. Um, you know, you were uh, a guest speaker in my in my group coaching program a couple of months ago, where we went through some of the lessons that you've gleaned from some of the interviews that you did with that you've done with a lot of these business owners. Would Would you like to maybe tell us if there's any kind of like big sort of highlight trends or common stories that you've noticed in interviewing all these people for so many years? I think one thing that's interesting about these folks is they're, they're all, even though they're not like starting a business from scratch, they are very much entrepreneurs. They're, they're stepping into an existing business. Sure. But they, in a lot of ways, it still feels like a startup. There's a lot of systems that don't exist. There's a lot of things you just have to figure out. There's hires to be made. Um, I'd, I'd say that folks are just, I've found them to be very creative and the ones who do it really well are just, they just find ways to get things done. Um, and they're self learners. They're gonna they're gonna go out and find whatever resources they can on learning about something or, or hiring a, a certain type of role. Um, and there's there's just a figure it outness that the this group of of entrepreneurs and CEOs tends to have that I admire and I, I find really really fun to study and talk with. Well, it, it's interesting, right? Because a lot of the times you. Um... You know, you think an entrepreneur with the creative energy, that's the person that starts a business 
And I've often said that business buyers are often have uh, more of an investment mentality. They're saying, what do I get for the money I'm going to put in? But, but I would agree with you. It's, it's uh, if you don't have that entrepreneurial kind of spark and that imagination uh, it's going to be difficult because every business I think is in a state of change to a certain degree. I mean, everything around you, competitive pressures, regulatory, what have you, are putting pressures on the business and you have to be evolving if you're going to stay around. Yeah, I think Brent B. Shore calls every every business is a like a disaster, like in motion, like a loosely functioning disaster, um, which is uh, kind of tongue in cheek, but also in true in many ways, there's just lots of things going on constantly. Things are breaking or people are coming and going and, and joining your team or leaving your team. And so just a lot of things happen day to day that you as like a customer of a business wouldn't see. Um, but it's, it's a, it's a fun world where if you're a, a fast learner and you, you enjoy kind of putting a team together and seeing something grow, it's a, it's a good place to be. Yeah. We, um, the, the place is getting crowded, Alex. We got a bunch of people in here. We got Kevin who says hello from Lakeland, Florida. He's joining us live down in Lakeland. We got Victor who's signing in from uh, Nottingham in the UK. Zach is in San Diego, says hi to us. And uh, we've also got Dan who's just down the road from me in Fredericton. And I uh, hope things are not too exciting for you on the weekend uh, there, Dan. We've got it, uh, Hurricane Lee's headed straight for us. It's supposed to make landfall tomorrow. So hopefully it's not not too bad a storm. Um, so, so you discovered this, this whole concept, you made the podcast so you could start to meet people and grow your network. Um, like, are you, do you have an ambition of doing this yourself at some point? I think so. I, I'd like to, um, I think my long-term goal so far has been to be the CEO of a, of a company um, mm -hmm. how that happens and what that looks like, I think is, is still up in the air. There's lots of ways, like I mentioned earlier, there's lots of ways for you to be the CEO of a company. You can do it through a traditional, traditional search, independent sponsor, um, some other way, like founder, there's, there's lots of ways to become the CEO of a company. And so there's, um, the podcast, if anything, has just given me a, a wide range and, and palette for, for the kind of the options available. And then you get to meet people who are, who are doing those things, but, um, the, I took in March, 2022 from the podcast, I got to meet Clayton Collins, who's CEO of HW media. And he was looking for a chief of staff at the time and someone who was passionate about media and data companies, uh, both of which I am very passionate about. And so we connected on that and, um, he offered this chief of staff position. So I joined HW media in March, 2022 and, over the last year and a half, we've kind of designed it as a, as an MBA in operations. And there's, um, I've, I went from graduating in 2019. I worked at a small wealth management office in Portland, Oregon, focused on uh, micro cap investing. And then from there, like in August, 2020, so like mid COVID, uh, I got married and uh, left that job all in the same week. I think my last, my last day at my job was the Thursday before our Saturday wedding. Um, so I went into marriage unemployed, um, although it's it still worked out and um, her family was uh, thankfully understanding. Um, but the I at that point, I went weekly with the podcast. And so my full-time role was the podcast. So from August 2020 until March 2022, I worked on the podcast full-time, just learning about people who ran and acquired small companies and 
Um, so I, I had never worked in a business larger than like 50 people. Um, I had an mm. internship in college with a software company in Portland, Oregon that got acquired a few months after I left. But a big part of my role there was like uh, moving over our, our finance function from old outdated systems to new systems. And But I got, I got to see a lot of what a small software company looked like. And that was really fun and exciting. Um, so I never worked in a large or large, even like medium-sized company before. Um, so I was excited to join HWB and see what does a, uh, a young, hungry, ambitious company look like? Like not just and led by a CEO who has that mentality and has had that filter through the entire organization. Like that's just an exciting place to be and learn. So um, I've enjoyed learning about how companies grow and how teams are hired and constructed. Um, and I don't have an MBA. I have not gotten, I've not done the traditional search fund path and folks come to MBA in lots of different ways, but a really common way is through investment banking. You go to a private equity mm -hmm. firm, then you join your MBA cohort. Um, and then after that, you'll raise a traditional search. That's so far historically been the most common path. There's lots of other ways to get there, of course, today. Um, but that has not been my my path. So I wanted to see how a company works and get some of that experience before becoming a, a CEO at some point in the future, if that, if that becomes well, reality. Well, you know, your podcast, I mean, uh, you have sponsors on the podcast, right? So, I mean, this is a business, I get a very, very small business, obviously. But, um, you know, and, and for a brief period of time, you had a quarterly publication that you were working on with a team. What deciding to join the media business, I mean, have you learned some things that you've been able to apply to think like an owner to maybe help help that in the in the business sense of what you're producing? Oh, certainly. I mean, a podcast is just a very, very small one person media business. Um, yeah. Maybe two or three per two or three person if you have a full time producer or whatnot. Um, but I think the initial like couple months were wild to see that there were within HW Media, there are entire teams devoted just to one function that I would do for myself for the podcast. So selling sponsorships and working with sponsors, you know, there's an entire sales team of like a dozen people at HW Media that's focused on ad sales. So like seeing a, what does a full-time team for just sales look like? And, you know, we have media kits and there's process, we have Salesforce, like there's a, there's a whole bunch of stuff in place where, you know, and if I turn it back to me, like, oh, I'm just emailing and I've got, you know, a couple of like Word docs that I use or something to uh, talk to sponsors with. But um, so that was pretty wild. We have a, they have a full-time producer um, and just so much more infrastructure around running a media company at scale that I would just be doing myself kind of on the side with the podcast. So I think that initially was, not not surprising, but just like wow, okay, this is this is what the you know the big leagues for for media look like. Yeah, that's cool. You you mentioned uh, before sort of um, you know the the whole value investing idea and 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 some of the stuff that Warren Buffett has put out. Now that you're located in Nebraska, I think I saw on Twitter that you've gone to their their AGM over at Berkshire Hathaway maybe a couple of years now. Um, it seems to me, if I recall correctly, that uh, you were saying, I'm going to go be going to this. And then you, like people from your audience came and joined you. Is, can you tell a little bit about that? Like, what was it like to sort of have a meetup of that, that audience, you know, like-minded people together? Yeah, we had a, um, the last two years, 
uh, myself and a local friend, Pat Lazer, um, who also runs a small company, um, we had organized these dinners. So last year we had a small dinner with uh, about 20 people at a restaurant downtown Omaha. And they were, it was like half uh, folks from his network and then half uh, friends of mine, either from Twitter or from the podcast or just close friends. Um, the One of the founding partners from that wealth management firm, like we've been good friends since high school. And so he came, he brought his middle son, uh, which was super fun. Um, so we had that and uh, that was really fun. But, you know, 20 people and even in like a, even in the party room of a restaurant is kind of crowded. And so yeah. last year, um, Pat through a friend of his, we got this, um, this venue at an art museum. So you could kind of walk around and have our space. And so we had probably 50 people show up to that one. Um, and, and Pat, Pat ran it. He, he did a phenomenal job. It, we had like name tags and catered food. It was, it was very nice. It was awesome. He was, he did a really good job. Um, but that was, um, kind of 50, 50 folks from my network, folks from his and, um, either from the podcast or just from Twitter, or just folks that we'd heard were going to be there and said, Hey, by the way, like we had this dinner with a bunch of entrepreneurs and CEOs. Like if you want to come by and say hello and meet a few folks, you can. And, um, that was a, a super fun, super fun event. And um, I'm not in Omaha anymore. Uh, we moved to Boise like in the last 30 days for my oh, wife's okay. clinical here. Um, but the Berkshire Hathaway meeting, I highly recommend it for folks. It's it, the, the, the meeting itself is fun, like watching and hearing what Warren and Charlie have to say and um, all that. It's absolutely very interesting. And the, um, the convention center is filled with all these Berkshire businesses that you know, they're selling dilly bars. You can get car insurance there. You can walk through a NetJets plane. Like it's very exciting and very cool. And I highly recommend it. Um, I think I bought new socks this year there at the very least and get Brooks running shoes and um, for the loom leather boots. Like there's, there's a million things you can, you can get there. Um, but I think the the most fun the last two years has been just the people that go there. Um, mm. It's, I mean, I think we think of Berkshire as like a, a place where like finance people go, but like so many more folks than just finance, like Warren and Charlie are, um, I think one of the most famous business people in the world right now. So like anyone- Well, there's, they're like, celebrities. They're like legit celebrities uh, in that sort of finance business investing space, right? Yeah. So anyone who runs a business- or has ambitions of growing their company, like as at the very least heard of Warren and Charlie, like even if you don't follow uh, or read about Buffett, like you at least know his name. And so um, there's a lot of folks who go there who run companies. And so um, Pat and I have tried to find those people and organize them into, into small dinners and small groups. And um, that's been just a really fun uh, and great way. And I, I've, I found a lot of value out of just meeting the people who go to Berkshire um, it's mm -hmm. a, it's like going to a, a conference for finance and business and, you know, a whole bunch of people are going to be there. It's, um, in many ways, like a, like a reunion of, of sorts of, of friends and close colleagues and, um, there's value investors and fund managers who go and meet their LPs or they meet other fund managers. And, um, so there's a lot of just like fun meetings happening around town. And so it's a great place to have some serendipitous meetups. Yeah, there, there's tremendous value in, in actually getting out and meeting people face to face. Um, I, I find that I will often meet people, you know, through my online activities and and they'll be talking about, you know, their difficulty with finding a business or difficulty in, you know, talking with sellers or something like this. And I, I find there's too many people today that that try to live life through a screen. 
that there's real value in sort of building that that face-to-face social muscle and getting out and doing things. I uh, was lucky enough to attend a couple of uh, small business uh, events over the course of the summer and just I met people from the audience and, and just met a lot of new people, do a lot of handshaking. And, and the reality is, just like you said, hosting your podcast has allowed you to make contact with all these great guests and build your network. Uh, the easiest way for somebody who doesn't have a tool like a podcast to go out and build a network is to just get out there and do things that are going to put them in front of other people, even if you have to organize it yourself, even if you're you know, introducing yourself through platforms like LinkedIn because you're, you're saying, hey, I'm organizing a dinner of local business owners or something, and just get yourself face-to-face with some people and, and build connections because it's only when you make those relationships uh, that that you can start to say things like, well, I'm trying to find this kind of business that where someone might want to sell someone else may happen to know someone who owns such a business and they're, they're an older person. Like maybe they might want to retire. So it's that the, nothing beats that face-to-face connectivity. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, there's a, I've been trying to meet more and more people face-to-face and, and fly to events and do more. Um, like if a, like a friend of mine is hosting a happy hour in Austin, Texas, and I'm going to fly up to that. That's just going to be fun. And um yeah, you're, you're totally right. Like FaceTime, like one meeting in FaceTime is like five virtual meetings in terms of value that you get. Um, of course, we were, I'm a remote, you know, the podcast is run remotely. The, um, our, even our media business is entirely remote, but that in-person time is incredibly valuable. Um, and on the content piece, like you don't need a podcast to, to have to start to benefit from that that value of content, even a couple blog articles or something you've written or a piece of research or something you've put together that gets people to read it and then potentially reach out to you like that. There's value in that. Um, you can, there's value from, you know, small uh, or you know a couple blog articles to running a huge media business. There's, there's benefit to content. Um, I think wherever you, wherever you decide to do it. Yeah, I, I think for, for most people out there, if you're in the world of business, that means you're probably on LinkedIn. And probably the simplest, easiest thing you can do if you want to sort of start creating content is just to cr- write some articles and post them as LinkedIn articles, because then it, it accrues under your name. And so anyone who comes and looks at you, they're able to see what you've posted in the past. And they're always available and you can reshare them and you can put links to them, et cetera. And it's, it's probably the easiest way someone can start to demonstrate what they're about or what they're what they're doing or what they're knowledgeable about i think is would you agree yeah absolutely and there's i think content helps you in a number of ways first off it helps you find interesting like-minded people so Mm -hmm. if you're writing about your journey trying to buy a small company you're probably going to attract readers who are interested in that topic and if they reach out to you then first off they've already read something you you've written so they know you to some degree and they've self-selected for being interested in that topic and for being a person who is willing to make a new connection and make a friend. So like all those things together really help you, but also you can use content in your outreach. So if you reach out to someone and say, Hey, I've, you know, I'm really interested in buying a small business. Here's an article I wrote. Um, it helps just lend a little bit more credibility yeah. than if you just came out of the blue and um, didn't have anything public about you. It, it's just, I think it's helpful in gaining credibility in a unique way where you might not otherwise have it through a traditional uh, medium. Yeah, totally agree. Um, 
lately, whenever I tune into your podcast, it seems like uh, you've gotten into doing a couple of specialized series. You want to let everyone know what uh, what series you're releasing right now? Yeah, so we have a, a series of episodes, a seven-episode series with Trilogy and Pacific Lake, who are two large search fund investors. Um, this series of episodes is focused on kind of the journey from starting up a search fund to acquiring and first hundred days and then managing a board. So our next, our last two episodes, we released five to date. Um, we have episodes on industry research. How do you conduct that? How do you actually start up a search? What's like the day-to-day like of a search? Um, how do you build a relationship with a seller? How do you go through due diligence? What's the legal side look like? And this next episode is going to be, um, should be released probably end of the month or early October. Um, it's going to be focused on the first hundred days in your company. Which, what kind of, what should you be focusing on? Um, what goals should you have? What should be your mission in those first hundred days? And then our last episode is going to be on boards and governance. And so working with investors, if you have a board of directors, um, what are some helpful ways to structure your board and your board meetings and your communication with them and um, help each of you get the most value out of those interactions you have. Um, so it's, it's been a fun series so far, but, um, it's just a great way to, again, like meet interesting people doing great things. And, um, the, the two investors we've partnered with, um, have certainly a wide network and have a a lot of interactions with the folks we've had on the podcast so far. And so they've been able to pick, uh, really exciting people who've, who've done a lot and have a lot to share. Oh, that's great. I, I, I tuned in to one where uh, you guys were discussing the uh, uh, like legal uh, due diligence and you had an attorney on it. I, I just thought that was a great episode. Uh, and for people to find the show, what, what should they do? Yeah, go to any any platform you can find podcasts. We're on. If there's one that you like to use and we're not there, please let me know. I'll find a way to get us on there. Uh, but anywhere, iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, uh, think like an owner will be on any of those and think like an owner. It's a weekly show that I host. I interview CEOs every week. Um, I try to find the most ambitious CEOs who are trying to grow great companies. And we talk about how they're growing their companies and how they're scaling their teams, how their role is evolving and what they're doing to become a more effective CEO over time. And that's the focus of the show. And um, I've been running it now for almost five years and uh, really enjoying it. I feel like if we've, Kind of the swing of things. I've upgraded, upgraded my microphone recently, so um, all the production elements are improving too. But um, it's just been a fun way to meet exciting CEOs and, and share some of those conversations that I'm able to have. Awesome! And you do have a website for the show, so I'm going to put that down in the show links too for anyone that might be you know driving or something when you're listening to this. Just go into the show notes and uh, and you'll find the link to it there. Alex, uh, thanks very much for joining us today. This has been a great conversation. Uh, glad to catch up with you. And uh, I hope you have a great weekend. Yeah, thanks, David. Thanks for having me. It's been really fun. Yeah, no problem. All right, we're going to sign everyone off and uh, we'll see you next time. So how can you learn more about buying, selling, financing, and managing small and medium-sized businesses? Easy. Go over to my blog site, davidcbarnett.com where you can learn more about me and how I work with my clients. You can learn more about my books and courses that I've prepared for you. You can find out how to subscribe to my email list, the YouTube playlists, and more. There's literally hundreds of hours of content there, all for free, and I'd love for you to be my guest. Special thanks go to Mark Willis at Lake Growth Financial, today's video sponsor. 
Mark helps people better manage their personal and business finances through the bank on yourself insurance strategy. This is something I've done personally and I've seen others use it successfully for years. Go to newbankingsolution.com to find all the interviews I've done with Mark and learn more about the advantages of these programs. While there, sign up for a free consultation to learn what this solution might look like for you.